Welcome to AppCast Music, the music of Athens, Georgia, now and then. My name is Marlene Sokol-Stewart, and this is my podcast. I have been doing this now for a few weeks, and it's been exciting and thrilling to be working on this podcast and learning about all these fabulous musicians we have here in Athens. I keep on finding more and more and more, and I keep on saying, when will it stop? But it hasn't, because we do truly have an incredible amount of artists that are doing so great. And some of them are really getting out there and touring and doing some really big things. My next guest is Annie Leith, who's doing exactly that. Annie Leith is a producer and violinist based in Athens, Georgia. She left Richmond, Virginia to pursue an undergraduate degree in music at the University of Georgia and found herself in the world of composition, production, and technology. She began working at Chase Park Transduction in Athens as a session violinist and producer, as well as at the Georgia Theater as a monitor engineer. Around the same time, she began touring with Faye Webster on Keys and Strings, and now Stacks, and she continues to self-produce her own projects and participate as a session violinist and engineer to artist in both Athens and Atlanta. Welcome, Annie Leith. So again, just want to find out where this brain came from. It's, <laughs> it's such an interesting brain. I don't see women... Just going to put it out there. I don't see women doing what you do as much as I see guys. It's it's just, I mean, I look, there are some, mm -hmm. obviously, but I don't think I ever saw anybody who really is as creative as you are in working your channels and your machines and making your sounds come into the loop and yeah, you know, all these things that you do. Well, thanks. <laughs> so I really want to talk to you about a lot of that, but I really want to start with you're a Virginia girl. Yeah. And yes. I don't know, that's I still consider that sort of the South. It's kind of borderline, but yeah. especially Richmond. But you were raised in Richmond. What how was that life in Richmond for you? How did you did you play music when you were young? How did how did all this uh, evolve? Yeah, I um I started as an orchestra kid. I uh, started violin when I was six, and uh, didn't do any really band stuff until coming down here. I thought I was going to be, or I wanted to be, a symphony violinist for oh, wow. a, a long time. And uh, I kind of also think that I didn't know that jobs like where I'm at now really were attainable. So yeah, the, the orchestra stuff was what seemed to be the most attainable at the time, and I, I was just in that world. How many years college. was that? Uh, you started when? When I was you were six. Mm -hmm. um, I think I started taking it seriously in middle school, um, just like doing all the like regional orchestra stuff, and then like decided to go to college for it. I want to say like sophomore year of high school. Um, and did you really know? I mean, I knew I wanted to have a job in music. And, you know, it was routed like classical music, you know, that none of the shows that were happening in Richmond at the time I could get into. It was like a lot of bars and 
outside of going to like the national uh is where i saw like all of my favorite indie bands from 2010 like like mgmt and like that era and i always thought like wow these are the coolest people i've ever seen and like wouldn't it be cool to be like that but now i'm gonna be in orchestra world like and it just because I, I don't know what that routing is and yeah so it was really just coming down here that changed it made it kind of seem like it was a so you began viable. questioning it before you came down here about um, that route when you saw things like that yeah it was like i always kind of felt like i had phrasing issues with violin with classical music where especially when i got into college like certain things that i do in session violin now were things that weren't like proper classical violin phrasing and I think it was like a habit from just listening to non-classical music. I, I love classical music, but I didn't really listen to it as recreationally as the bands that I listened to growing up. And so I, I think I was playing violin like a band member and like it, it just didn't translate and I didn't understand why I couldn't get it right. And did that go into college? I mean, mm -hmm. so is that when you started transitioning, as they say? Yeah, yeah. I um, did the music business program here and... That was where I got my first studio internship, and it kind of just made it so that it looked attainable, and yeah. <laughs> well, so studio internship, how did that even come about while you're learning in this school? What drove you to being in a recording studio? I think it was, I was in the music composition program at UGA, and so part of that is that there's a couple of studios in the black box there. And, and I, you know, I enjoyed the tech. I was not good at the tech side of things until I think maybe two years into doing like actual studio work. Um, but I just, I knew that it was stuff that would be really useful to know. Like a school like this and yeah, to read recording. Exactly. Yeah. If you had had the opportunity back then yeah. to come to a school like this, would that have changed your life uh, towards that way as well? Or do you think a school like this would have made that easier? I think, well, I, I went to a kind of funny version of a school like this going into my last year of undergrad. It was called like the Recording Workshop in Chillicothe, Ohio. And it's like this six-week program, like crash course, going through all the tech. And it's the same one that David Barbie went to. Oh, really? And, uh, and John Keane before that. It's kind of just been handed down over time. And oh, wow. It was kind of a, a deal that I had going with him where I could book out of the studio if I went to that thing. And, and it worked out. And so I guess it probably would have just ended up being <laughs> the same thing, you know, if I had decided to go into just straight into recording school. But it just kind of now has like this classical side of it too that yeah I don't know I'm not mad about it so <laughs> no I think that's wonderful because it is it is really interesting I, I I too had no idea what I really wanted to do ever and it's weird I mean the way I got into television just by somebody saying I'll give you a job yeah and I had to learn everything yeah which you did too that's great you just have to learn everything. Yeah, and that case. was back in the days when there was it was all, you know, pushing buttons and levers and 
starting a film and with your finger and, (laughs) you know, all of that. But so I I kind of get that because I had no idea that I was going to end up the way I did in television and the music business and things like that. I had no idea. Everything just kind of went in line and... Not that I didn't have to, and you probably did too, have to kind of market yourself a little bit yeah, to definitely. get people to say, hey, I, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can do this. There's a lot of the music that I've been listening to you, and some of it I'll profess that I'm not sure I quite understand, <laughs> sure. which is okay, Yeah, I think. I mean, isn't that sometimes what music's about is questioning? Yeah, definitely. And I think you put it out. Um, A lot of the songs that I've listened to seem to be struggles, I guess, between different emotions and and trying to figure out some of your mistakes. Um, Does making this particular type of music, which I feel is more like electronica, synthesizer, you know, kind kind of music, contribute to the old adage of, you know, you learn from your mistakes or, you know, failures are the road to, uh, you know, to success. Yeah. Because sometimes, uh, you know, your words are looking back at what you did. Now, it could have been a love affair or a music you wrote or a record you didn't like or things like that. But, you know, kind of kind of give me some ideas about that. Am I really far off? No, I mean, that that's, that's really interesting. I've never heard it put that way. But yeah, I mean, it, it's journaling a lot of the time is what it's turned into. For me, and I think that, like the electronica side of it, I I remember when I was in school, I listened to um, that Laurie Anderson um, piece, "Oh Superman," and like vocoders feel like so emotional to me, and so I think that kind of like made it turn into just kind of going into more of the electronic side of things, and. And it was also kind of a a logistical thing too, like not having band members uh, and just kind of being at the computer, you know, and and wanting to learn how to get better at using things like synths and like doing everything. Yeah, because you do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so my husband and I were talking. I'm going to just say this here, (laughs) and he said when he heard your music. Wow, it's like a Laurie Anderson or a Kate Bush. Oh wow! <laughs> um, so you know, because we listened and we we sold so much of that type of music it was yeah. so good, but it was very. I mean, Kate Bush not so much as Laurie Anderson and Patti Smith and all that type of stuff, but it was very chaotic. Yeah, and I said, well, it just so happens that. I just read about her and her, um, you know, fascination and admiration for for Laurie Anderson. What what went in there? What when it, what clicked with you there? Because were you doing that type of music already? Um, it, I think it came from from the music school because she kind of has her hands in like that experimental world too, and yeah. I was so used to hearing. Like a lot of honestly atonal electronic pieces in school, like in quad and just people experimenting with sounds. And it was like she had that, but then she also kind of had more of that pop element and just somehow manages to 
stay in between those worlds, and I hadn't seen that before. And it's interesting that she was married to Lou Reed yeah. and didn't let his music really affect. Yeah. I'm sure she, obviously, she lived with him for a long time, and I'm sure that it, it seeped in mm-hmm. to her music, a note or two here and there, or, you know, a sound or whatever. But it's hard sometimes to listen to those things mm-hmm. because you don't really know how to. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Totally. And, <laughs> well, I'm including myself because I'm such a rock and roller and, you know, I'm a Jersey girl and, you know, I'm talking, <laughs> you know, Springsteen and Bob Seger and, you know, these old artists that I uh, I grew up with. Um, so, you know, but um, I was listening to Home Alone mm. a couple times last night <laughs> and your guitar. Mm. Um, both of those kind of caught me for some reason. The the guitar thing was a much more smoother, less chaotic song and more of a, I guess, a love song. And um, so I, I see that you can do a whole full circle of music, even in one song. <laughs> and I really like that. I And I like that. But the way it sounded to me is it seems as if you incorporate a, like a diverse range of electronics into the melody. And it's sort of, to me, and this is where I get a little weird, (laughs) so forgive me, it's as if you are releasing your songs into the world and anticipating responses. Huh. Like you're putting them out there and you're just waiting for what comes back to you. (laughs) Is that too weird? Because I felt like you are so experimental that it's like that's how you kind of imagine things could happen. Hmm. And again, I don't, it just appears that you're using so many sounds to unite your melody that you're almost like building a house. <laughs> you know, you're building yeah, totally. this thing. And I, I am one of those people that think, ask believe and receive. And when I listen to you, I I really feel like you're repeating and repeating and repeating to make sure somebody's listening, whether it's going out into the world or whether it's going out to the person looking at you in the face in Mm. front of the stage. (laughs) So, I mean, how how, am I, am I really off a lot on that crazy little idea? I I, I love that idea. I mean, I I don't think that I've uh, consciously you know, like that, that's never been like a plan for me, but it has come up and become one of my like favorite things when an album release happens. And I'm surprised by who is telling me which song is the one that they latched onto because it's never the one that I expect it to be. Yeah. And so yeah. It, it's, it has become a kind of fun part of it over time. Like songs that I uh, almost cut from albums that, people say is like their favorite song on the album. <laughs> it's just Well, what kind of expectations do you have for your albums? Honestly, I don't at this point <laughs> make, I make myself not have expectations for them because it's such a, uh, like, it's probably the least like professional uh, music thing that I do. Like mm-hmm. I, I don't really have 
plans on like making a living off of it or anything. It's kind of more a like I, I started doing the solo work because I didn't have a discography at the time and I wanted to show that I could produce and so you're yeah. using your music as a tool yeah to do totally. what you really love too yeah which is being a session being an engineer <laughs> being a producer all of those things which is wild I think that's great <laughs> because I'm sitting here doing a podcast that <laughs> I have no expectations for yeah, at totally. all but having a blast mm -hmm. yeah you know having and I'm meeting people like you and that you're here, you're in Athens, <laughs> and you're doing things for people, other people. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I read a lot of reviews, actually, about you. Oh, and really? <laughs> I want to see if I can find that one. I Actually, Annie, expertly enhanced and talented, has great communication skills in bringing the vision for a project to life. I would highly recommend her. As, and I, they I were... Oh, so very complimentary. <laughs> and it doesn't say who it is or yeah. where it was from or, you totally. know, the person. But um, so how do you process when someone says, this is what I need or this is what I'm looking for? And how do you actually really make that happen? Like to interject it into their music? Yeah, um, it's definitely something that's uh, gotten easier over time. And especially now that the people that reach out to me to do production work kind of know what my past albums have sounded like, they're coming to me because they most of the time want something that sounds like something from a past album. And uh, and I now know how to do that. And it's kind of easier than if someone doesn't know me at all and just like once this sound from a random album, like I can do that too, but it'll be a little bit more difficult than like just kind of having this tool that was in an arsenal from a back album thing that they listened to three years ago. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, well, violins give such a fuller sound yeah. to a lot of albums. But if you're not careful, mm -hmm. You'll sit there and go, whoa, that's way too many violins yeah, or definitely. something like that. I mean, I'm sure you've heard it yeah, plenty of times, especially in country music. <laughs> but um, today's country music. But I, the violin is just such a beautiful instrument. Totally. You, I, I don't listen to a lot of classical music anymore. I used to listen to more. And I don't find myself really listening to it as much. But when I do hear a violin in a song and it's done so right in line with what they're doing and it's not this big giant production <laughs> and everything. It's just so enchanting and so soothing. Mm -hmm. I watched and I don't remember what the movie was and they were playing a violin in it. And I could just I was just sitting there just closing my eyes immediately. Yeah. And I I watch violinist. I, I, I don't really haven't seen you live or whatever, but they're almost always closing their eyes, you <laughs> yeah. know, just because it, it moves, it, it you know, I yeah. think it just moves in your body. I mean, don't you, don't you feel something like that when you're, this is your instrument. It's like tied to your hip or in your heart or. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, 
that mindset is something that my professor in school was was really tapped into. It's it's like the emotional side of playing and trying to like bring it out in in the music is something that he is an expert at. And he like talks in metaphors and like my my favorite thing that he said when I was in school was like he he would never just say place the bow in a light way or something he he would just say like place the bow like a bear landing in silk and i'm like okay, okay i'm going to sit on that for like 3 days like <laughs> I, I don't know what to do with that information but okay like <laughs> Um, wow, so that's kind of cool, though. It, it's great. No, I mean, it, it was really fun to have him as a teacher. Um, I, I love that. And it's definitely like his his long game with that is what you're talking about, the just kind of I, emotional playing, I guess. You know, I know a lot of people went to the school here, but it seems to be a really good school. It's great. And you don't think about UGA Music School as being such a great, great school. Like, you know, you think of Boston and you think of you know, California and, you know, Berkeley and yeah. all that. But the people that come out of here are really good. And Definitely. I think a lot of people are successful. I wanted to know if you've ever been to, and so did my husband, actually, <laughs> um, the uh, Big Ears Festival. Do you um, know the Big Ears Festival? Is it two, two Big Ears or something? Is it, where is it? Knoxville. Knoxville. No, I, I haven't, but I think I know what you're talking about. Well, it's very eclectic, yeah. the festival. Okay. We've never gone, but a friend of ours goes every year. Cool. And it's in Knoxville, and it's like three days. I mean, it's of some very interesting music. And yeah. I thought about you because in 2024, there is a King Brit curated Black Tronica program. For 2024 what festival. What is that? Right? <laughs> so it was event. It was something that was started in London. And it brings a lot of jazz fusion uh, together with electronica. And it's these four black artists that are going to be there. And the reason why I mention wow. is because you should probably go and see them. Would it would probably that, be yeah. something that you would love. Besides Laurie Anderson, I mean, do you try and listen to other people that you might want to learn from and take to a different level or or does some of this music just comes to you sometimes uh there's yeah there's there's a list uh, i mean the vocal production that i really tried to chase for a while was uh was based off of Phineas and like and like Billie Eilish's work. Yes. But... Oh, my, oh my gosh, that was my next question. <laughs> That's funny. Damn. Well <laughs> you you it. correct. <laughs> um yeah, definitely was it was a really big inspiration for she a while. did so much for people like you. Yeah, definitely. That, well that was what I was gonna say is yeah. that they really allowed Everyone to stop rocking for just a minute, <laughs> you know, or, or singer-songwriter or whatever. I mean, she is, a, they are singer-songwriters, but the way she brought the softness and, to her music where everybody was still dancing. Yeah, definitely. Dancing still. I really like them a lot. A lot. Yeah, me too. I'm also a Lady Gaga fan. So I mean I, I love Lady I, I Gaga. mean yeah. <laughs> so I you can see 
that I'm interested in all kinds of music yeah. from my background, my husband telling the history of all these bands and, and music. And, you know, it's, it's great to have somebody in your life that <laughs> is able to do that. So that really makes me think that all now where I'm starting, I guess, to learn where that brain started. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Which sure. is the first thing I said, but because it's an interesting brain. <laughs> it is. It's a very interesting brain. And I, I guess I should say mind. But sometimes your mind comes after other things. And it's your brain that's working to bring that mind together. Totally. For, yeah. for me, I mean, <laughs> sometimes I don't know what I'm going to be thinking about. But, and that's, I think, that Freudian stuff with the subconscious and all that crap. Mm -hmm. But that's why I said your brain, because you started with this progression of playing in school, not thinking you were really ever going to do anything that was fun and, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then your brain just kept on saying, okay, let that in, let that in, let that in. And you did. <laughs> and I think that's wonderful. I, I can't even, I wish I had that kind of brain, actually. I mean, it, it <laughs> seems like you do if you're, if you're well, doing interview questions like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, only because your music brought these questions out of me. To be honest, I <laughs> asked Kayla, my engineer over there, I don't ask these questions that much, but I do try and pull out things that would allow people to see why you are so different and how come your music still makes a difference, even though it's a tool for you to do some other things that you really love to do as well. Sure, yeah. And I love that you do both of them, that that this music, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who likes it, who doesn't. It's for you. Totally, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's really what's so important in music these days. You have to let people know what you're doing. <laughs> so when you first started at Chase, because I'm fascinated by David Barbie. I, he, he promised me he'll come on this. We we. We That's talked the one. other night again, as a matter of fact. <laughs> um, I don't know everything about him yet, mm. but I will. But when you started with him, was he just one of your extended teachers from the university that started teaching you ways and giving tips and showing you how to do the board and what a producer's job really is and what they what they shouldn't be doing because half the time <laughs> producers are trying to do things that they shouldn't be doing as far as I'm concerned. But um, how did you and him work together to make it kind of fluid? Um, I, it, it's so funny because like it, it just kind of worked. I think like he was my professor for the MBUS class. It was at the same time I was interning for him, and. And I got close also with uh, Drew Vandenberg, who is one of the producers at Chase Park. And, like, they're really receptive to questions, um, like any, like, technical questions. As long as you, like, time when in the session you're doing it, it's fine. Like, ask as many questions as you want. And we, that's still what we tell our interns to do now. But uh, so I, I guess it was just kind of a thing where at the end of the semester, between 
asking a bunch of questions and uh, kind of getting more into the session violin stuff with them. Uh, they just kind of kept me on. I, I was uh, for the second semester just Drew's intern, uh, which was great because normally you just kind of have to rotate out after like six months and just getting yeah. to stay in the same place was awesome. And and it it's where I work now. So it's just, <laughs> you know, it, it just kind of is a great group of people. So you basically like, are working there now yeah time or it's kind of you know i it's like the seven or like five different jobs are like making one full-time yeah so i'm i'm over there whenever uh i'm like booking a studio it's it's there and then i'll uh, a studio manage over there so who have you been producing lately who are some of the acts um most recently well i they Webster, we did the last album over at uh, Sonic Ranch, and that was the first time that I got to um, engineer for her because normally I was just doing session violin, and and that was great. Like that studio is insane, uh, and and just like in the middle of the desert, and just a crazy experience. But um, where is it? It's in uh, forty minutes south of El Paso. Like right on You're the, the second person really? who has told me they're there. Really? Were, Kayla, who was the first person? It oh, was Spencer, Spencer Thomas. because oh, the Future Birds went out there after. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a yes. crazy place. Like, <laughs> I, I want to visit it. <laughs> you should. I mean, I had my 50th birthday at a, a Tree Sound recording in, in oh, um, yeah? Atlanta. I, I had a friend who worked there. She did a lot of the booking and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, oh my God, it was so fun that night. But, um, <laughs> Outcast was upstairs recording and doing stuff, and my son was trying to find them. Wow. And, oh, my gosh. But there's so many studios here now. Mm-hmm. But Chase, obviously, was probably one of the first, right? I'm not really sure, but um, I know they've been here a long time. Yeah. I know David has done a ton yeah, definitely. of stuff there, and I can't wait to talk to him. Yeah. It'll be fun. When you toured, you ha- you toured with Faye, right? Faye Webster? Yeah, yeah, that is now my kind of main job is uh, is I'm the touring keyboardist and violinist and now uh, saxophonist. <laughs> oh my so gosh. Like when did that one come? Fun thing <laughs> that like, like a month before the tour started, she was sending me these... Uh, kind of midi saxophones and uh I just kind of preferred to just play an actual one so uh, I just ordered one off of Amazon and uh yeah it, it was I mean it was only like four songs and kind of simple parts so it's not like uh like I'm shredding up there or anything yeah. but it was like it just they're joking uh when we were setting up for the production rehearsals and stuff. The corner just kind of looks like a, a music teacher's corner or something. Like, just oh, that's funny. way too much happening. <laughs> so how's, t- do you enjoy touring a whole lot? Do you, I mean, because you, you know, you're doing so many things. It's crazy. So this is your main job now, touring with her. And then you come and do your producing and engineering in between. Yeah. I mean, just where does she tour? Uh, we just got back from just a, it, it was a five week kind of U.S. circle basically. And, uh, from like what cities? Uh, we started in D.C. and then went up to like Philly, New York, 
uh, and then Chicago, and then Seattle, and then kind of down and wow. back around. Yeah. Who books you? Uh, she, she is booked with, uh, I, f- I forget, I, th- I think it's called Ground Control Touring, but it's, I just know him as Josh, but. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Josh, There's, Josh yeah. books us. That's fine, because that's interesting cities. Yeah, oh, the venues have been so, fun. like this last tour was like just venues that I cannot believe that we're playing are it's there aspirations crazy. of our uh for europe uh we have gone to europe a couple of times we're actually we're going to australia in uh late january which i've never been out there okay before. And what do you need me to do <laughs> I know exactly right. i'll pay for my ticket but what do you need me to do i can take pictures and social media and uh, let's see what else oh my gosh um that's great because I have a thing here that, you know, pe- people in Athens are kind of comfortable here. Mm-hmm. They really are fine. They, they're they happy. Totally. They don't need to tour, maybe around, you know, other areas and things like that. And they're perfectly happy, especially bands that have been playing for a while. And they, yeah. you know, don't need to really tour to satisfy their goals or aspirations or things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's several artists here that are in Europe a lot. Yeah, definitely. Which is why I'm trying to push this podcast out to Europe. Um, cool. Being in the music business, I do know some people um, in other countries, and I've been talking to them and trying to get them to listen and you know, re- kind of realize what's going on here Yeah. so that they'll be interested and they'll be starting to look for people to come out of here. That's that's great. that's my whole outside bringing in thesis, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, again, I'm not trying to be like, oh, I'm the outsider here and everything. It's just what I am. But wanting to learn more and being thirsty for this kind of information, but you know, nobody knows. I'll, when I mention the name five eight, people know. When I mentioned the name Sarah Moots, well, who's that? And she's great. And yeah. I mentioned the name Annie Leith, you know? Yeah. And and everybody knows you here. Oh. Everybody <laughs> knows you. And probably there's a lot of places in Atlanta because you worked in Atlanta. Yeah. No. But <laughs> it's fabulous that you're working with someone who does want to spread their wings. Because I was my question to you was going to be, how are you going to do that? Yeah. Did you even want to? Uh, You know, what do you see the future? I mean, do you see playing in other bands that are traveling and touring as well? Um, I don't know, because I I got on to touring with Faye after knowing her for like many years, like just from the the session violin stuff. And and I always like kind of had a a little hope that touring with her was going to work out because she has this thing that I remember... When, for instance, when Billie Eilish was first coming up and then like when Phoebe Bridges was first coming up, it was like right around when they had like maybe 40,000 followers and like reading an article about them and just kind of knowing that they were going to blow up. And I always kind of had that feeling about her, mm-hmm. too. And um, so, and that made me kind of want to like 
just be a part of it. So it was kind of more for her specifically as an artist than touring in general. I, I do like touring, but it was kind of more about being part of that band. That's awesome. <laughs> I, I'm going to listen to more of her songs as well. I wanted to really, you know, concentrate on some of yours, your <laughs> sure. stuff. And totally. um, I think, like I said, when we were kind of talking before, I think you're a really interesting person because of how this all developed for you. It, it was it was kind of by accident in some <laughs> ways with a determination kind of following. And I really love, I just felt all that kind of things about you and reading about you and watching you play. And the repetition was so interesting to me because I'm like, who does that? But your makeup <laughs> melting, that's just over and over and over and over yeah. again. And then the second verse is escape. So, what, mm. What's the second verse? Uh, make me escape. Make yeah. me escape. <laughs> so tell me why that repetition is so important to what you're doing. Uh, well, that song uh, specifically is kind of I don't I don't know if the, if this applies to like the rest of the songs, but I, I made that about being at an EDM concert that I didn't want to be at. And so it's kind of supposed to have that, that like repetitive, like Beat. thing that's happening. And, but just have the, have it be kind of abrasive, but then also be being about like not wanting to, to hear this kind of music sometimes, you know? So you were um, trying to get on your nerves. Yeah. <laughs> Is that kind of what I'm getting kind out of, here? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I really, that was when I told you, I said, I didn't understand some of it. <laughs> I really didn't understand some yeah. of that. I didn't know, but I knew you had to have some purpose of doing <laughs> it. You know, I, knew, I did. I mean, otherwise you wouldn't have done it, obviously. But um, the, well, that explains a, a, a lot about you too. I mean, because sometimes I think there's a lot of electronica that I would just call EDM <laughs> and just forget, all, yeah. you know, the synthesizer and, you know, all this. Um, one of the artist that I um, worked with was Tiesto. Okay, yeah. And I loved him. I didn't stop dancing. I went to a club <laughs> and saw him one night in Atlanta. And I was so shocked at how long I danced yeah. that night. And it was so much fun. I even got my son um, to see him. He was stationed in Germany at the time. And he, I got him tickets That's to Tiesto because he's a big EDM and all that. And he, awesome. he likes hip hop and scratching and you know all that kind of stuff but um so that really kind of explains it because that wasn't like normal stuff for you mm -hmm. in everything I mean there is some repetition in other songs as well but not like that mm -hmm. now it makes all perfect sense to me makeup <laughs> melting off was it uh Mel like like your emotion it's uh, uh yes. yeah just yes <laughs> that's it that's it so um you know, we'll have to um, see how that goes. But. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Annie, for being on here. You have enlightened me into the world of electronica that I've <laughs> really forgotten for a long time. And I appreciate everything you do. And I love that you're touring and doing all the things that you're doing. And I love that you live in Athens, Georgia. <laughs> thank you so much for having me on. It's been really fun. <laughs> thank you again. <laughs> Thank you.
Once again, I thank Annie Leith for being on our show. It was a pleasure speaking to her and getting to know where some of her music ideas come from and how they're progressing. You can get a hold of Annie on her website, annieleith.com, Instagram at annie.leith. She's on Bandcamp. And you can also find her on Spotify and Apple and all the other listening media platforms. Thanks for listening to Athcast Music. Music.